right, this is the sixth episode of the Peace on Drugs, and this episode will be brought to you by the number six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six is the smallest perfect number in number theory. A perfect number is a positive integer that is equal to the number itself. Six has divisors one, two, and three, excluding itself. One plus two plus three equals six. So six is a perfect number. And being the smallest perfect number, six is the first perfect number. But before we get all lovey-dovey with the number six, we should know what God has to say about it. In the Bible, God created man on the sixth day. He finished his masterpiece of creating the entire universe on the seventh. So seven is perfection. Six is the imperfection of man. In the sixth chapter of Joshua, they marched around Jericho six times, as per God's command, to prove their imperfect ability to knock down the walls, and on the seventh day, God did it himself. Also, we work for six days, and then we rest on the seventh. Work, no fun. Sleep, amazing. Jesus died on the cross on the sixth day of Passover. The Apostle John writes in Revelation 13, 18, Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man. His number is 666. So I don't know. I have mixed feelings about the number 6. Is it a perfect number, as math says, or is it imperfection, as the Bible says? All right. As I said on last week's podcast, I'll be making up my own commercials until I have real sponsorship. This week I chose an intangible concept rather than something like Mrs. Winslow's Soothing Syrup, which was last week's fake sponsor. I chose the number six because this is the sixth episode, which I thought was a neat coincidence, seeing as my guest today is TJ Carroza. He came on my podcast to tell his story of being raised in a Christian-based cult, a cult that I'm sure most of you have heard of, and most have had them show up at your house on bicycles and knock on your door. I'm talking, of course, of the Jehovah's Witness. So I was talking with TJ on the phone uh, the other day about doing some music together. He's a drummer, and he heard me playing music down on the beach, and that's how I met him. So we're on the phone, and he's telling me he digs the podcast, and that, um, on the first episode with Michael O'Neill, me and Mike got into a religious a little bit about religion, and he said he loved and agreed with everything we were saying, and then he started telling me his story. And he was so animated and the story was so gripping that I said, you need to tell this story. And I invited him on the podcast. So when I was thinking up a fake commercial and realized it was the sixth episode, I thought, what a coincidence. So I went with that. Then I realized an even greater coincidence. I'm releasing it on Easter Sunday. So this is the Easter special. At first, I thought it was a fun idea to talk about this particular episode being launched on Sunday, not realizing it was Easter Sunday. But any Sunday is special to the church because it's the Sabbath. But in actuality, it's not the Sabbath. Christianity, which was built on a Judaic foundation, originally shared the Jewish Sabbath, which starts uh, Friday when the sun uh, starts to set, or when the sun sets, and goes until the sun sets on Saturday. But because the Romans transitioned from a pagan society when they adopted Christianity as their official religion, Constantine implemented some pagan traditions into Christianity. And one of those was changing the Jewish Sabbath on Saturday to the pagan holy day of Sunday, the day of the sun, as in sun worship. And Christians were able to justify the switch because Sunday was the day Jesus rose from the dead. 
So I was going to say something about the podcast being on a Sunday when I realized this wasn't just any old Sunday. It was Easter, the supposed day that Jesus actually rose from the dead. So having TJ on was the best, the best guest for an Easter special. So how does a story about a man leaving a cult relate to the Peace on Drugs podcast, you might be asking? It's an easy answer, and I didn't have to reach for it either. Basically, there are three reasons this is a great topic for the Peace on Drugs podcast. The first reason brings us to a book I just finished reading by Brian Mirror Rescue called The Immortality Key. In this book, I've learned that the war on drugs wasn't actually started by Harry Anslinger. It was actually started by the Catholic Church. The original Roman Church's purpose wasn't spirituality. It was controlling the masses, and they found it impossible to get people into their institution and give them praise and money when the early Christians had their own Eucharist, which was a psychedelic wine, and they drink it and worship in their own homes where they would actually experience God. The Catholic Church's Eucharist was just wine and crackers, as it is today. But the early Christians had a wine made from ergot, which is a fungus, a very small mushroom that grows on wheat and barley, and it's what LSD is derived from. The early Christian church, which evolved from uh, the Dionysian mysteries in what is called the, uh, the pagan continuity hypothesis, the keepers of the psychedelic wine recipe were the women, and only they could brew it. The recipe was passed down from mother to daughter. So the Roman Catholic Church, in an attempt to stomp out the more powerful Eucharist of the underground church, didn't allow women to become priests, a rule that is still applied today, 2,000 years later. And any woman that they caught brewing was labeled witch. And so the witch hunts were the original war on drugs. Fast forward to the Spanish discovering the New World. The natives were using peyote and psilocybin mushrooms in shamanic rituals, and the Catholic invaders found it almost impossible to convert the natives, for the same reason the Catholic Church couldn't convert the early Christians. The wine and cracker placebo is nowhere near as powerful as the psychedelic trip that brings you straight to God. So the Spanish conquistadors outlawed it and went on a crusade burning all the cannabis and peyote they could find. Over time, peyote made its way to North America, and the missionaries experienced the same problem trying to convert the natives. So these Protestant missionaries, taking a cue from the Vatican, teamed up with the U.S. government taking the first federal action to ban a drug. It wasn't opium or cocaine, which were banned by the Pure Food and Drug Act of 1906 and the Harrison Tax Act of 1914. It was an instruction from the Bureau of Indian Affairs to all federal agencies in 1890 to seize and destroy all peyote. The commissioner of the Bureau actually said in a letter that the peyote ceremonies were interfering quite seriously with the work of the missionaries. The church and the government both have similar agendas, to control and get money. The government's war on drugs is no different than the church's. Its war on psychedelics in the 60s was directly because they were losing control of their youth, which they needed to fight their war in Vietnam. They used drug laws to specifically target groups they wanted to lock up and silence. Arresting African Americans for marijuana was a tactic Nixon used to try and silence the civil rights movement. So in this episode of The Peace on Drugs with TJ, we will learn how far some branches of Christian dogma are willing to go to remain in complete control. So the second reason this podcast is on topic is that TJ is a living testament to the reasons the authorities want to stomp out psychedelics, because it was a psychedelic mushroom trip that really blew TJ's mind wide open and pushed him to leave the cult. And the third reason why TJ's story is great for the peace on drugs is because religion, to quote Karl Marx, is the opiate of the masses. 
For a lot of people, it's all they need. Not me, though. One last tangent, and then we're going to jump right into this podcast. A few years ago, I was searching for spirituality, and I went to the Catholic Church, which was right beside my house. I'd never been to a Catholic Church. And honestly, I think I would have found more spirituality at a dive bar watching a cover band than they had in there. People sang along robotically to old, boring hymns. The priest told jokes that weren't funny. I stood when they told me to stand. I sat when they told me to sit. I, I put, you know, I put five bucks in the collection, and then I got the fuck out of there. If that's where most people go to talk to God, it's no wonder our culture seems so godless. So anyway, this is the Easter special. Again, if you're religious and you love Jesus or Muhammad or Buddha or whoever, I think it's great that you can find happiness wherever you do. And on some levels, I get it. I mean, there's a lot of history and great stories there. I just think that the organized versions of these stories reek of humanity, you know, greed, lust, power. And these institutions strip the stories of their spirituality. But I don't think there's anything wrong with following Jesus or Muhammad or the flying spaghetti monster, as is a real religion that me and TJ get into, um, as long as you're not trying to force it down everyone else's throat. And as long as you're not hurting anybody else, and if, you, if you're hurting, torturing, or killing in the name of your faith, you're doing it wrong. But if you're experiencing your faith for you because it fills you with joy and happiness, then more power to you. So happy Easter. I had a great conversation with TJ, and I hope you enjoy. America's public enemy number one in the United States is drug Drugs abuse. are menacing our society. What are your thoughts on the drug problem? I had a great time doing drugs. So tonight... From our family to yours, from our home to yours, thank you for joining us. This is the Peace on Drugs. drugs. All right, I'm here in the studio with TJ Carroza. We just met the other day at Yucatan when I was, I was playing a gig, and you're a musician, so you came up to talk to me about possibly playing drums with me. Yeah, I hope it works out. <laughs> yeah, we're going to we'll do some jamming after this. Um, but you had a story that you wanted to tell um, that was really fascinating, and I'm excited about it. And um, I mentioned it in my last podcast um, about your experience with a cult. Right. <laughs> so you grew up in a cult, and it is a cult most people have heard of. It's a very popular, I would say one of the most popular, beside Mormon, I think Mormons would probably be the most popular cult, and you are yeah. right there beside them with the Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. And, and, and for a long time, you can get in arguments with people about referencing it, referencing it as a cult, um, but it really is. When you break down the fundamentals of what it does and controls people by and the rules and stuff they invent. Well, so well, you were excommunicated, right? <laughs> Pretty much. I, unofficially, but practically. So, like, when you grow up in this and are baptized by it, and then you, if you stop, if you sin in a way that is violating one of their rules, you can get disfellowshipped. And you can get disfellowshipped for something as simple as smoking cigarettes, premarital sex, uh, not believing in it, which is kind of where I'm at. Um, but in order to get disfellowshipped, you have to actually go through like a formal judicial committee, where you have to sit down with like an uh, elder body and they'll and they'll like listen to your story, judge you based on your mindset, whether you're 
repentant or not, and then disfellowship you and make a decision. It's like kind of like a court system, actually. So were you this fellow? I blew it off. I didn't listen to any of their, you know, they re tried to reach out to me, try to get me to come in and do that whole formal thing. And I just kind of was like, mm, I don't really see the reason why I need to even like give you guys right. time on my day. Because right you're now. out. doesn't matter. Yeah. But now does that make you an apostate? Uh, yeah, I guess by definition. Like they, they would consider They you would consider me apostate. My, my family, I mean, they'll never hear this. So that's, what I'm hoping, but, um, yeah, like I never actually got officially disfellowshipped, but it's treated the same way, you know, like right. I, I have, I'm third generation born and raised in it. Um, have cousins, three younger brothers, their wives, their extended families, friends I've had from, you know, all around the state where I grew up in. Nobody contacts me anymore. It's, you're just done. You're, and, you, and now what if you called your mom, would she answer? Probably. Um, she would answer, but it's always a short conversation. It's like, when's the last time you talked to her? I think July of last year. So it's like coming on a year. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that was, that was when <clears throat> I told her that I was living with my girlfriend, which is a huge no, no. Wow. So, so she's like, click. Yeah. It, it was, it was like a few text messages. And then after that, no more communication. Just, wow. you're, you're living a life that is not within our belief system. You're sinning, you're doing everything wrong. And then, you know what, we, I think we had a really short conversation um, where, where she was trying to pull out of me what my beliefs were. And, and I always tried to bite my tongue and not actually say it because I knew where, what, what would happen after that. And ultimately I ended up expressing that you know hey I don't I don't believe in it anymore for this this and this because I've seen this this and this and I read my Bible and I you know listen to what Jesus said and his examples of love and this and that and your rules like don't even follow that so yeah. so for that reason I'm kind of out now because yeah. you all have your own book right uh not really no we have, we, I'm going to say that a few times and I mistakenly say, we'll say that, but what's that we, or you can say we like when, you can say when we. I was in it, yeah, yeah. yeah they have a Bible translation that is very similar to the King James version and, and other versions, but they, they do, how do I say this? They, it's pretty accurate, but they change very precisely a few scriptures in different places yeah um to ultimately help with 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 their doctrines that they've invented gotcha so don't ask me specific examples it's not i haven't read and read into it for a long time so and when you were in the cult were you really like into it or you just were just a part of it no i was just born and raised it never felt right it was right. like a gut thing yeah you know and but you're so young and 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 like it's hard to question right, like the only thing you've ever known. Yeah, viscerally, you're like, this is weird. But, but on yeah. the surface of your brain, you're like, ah, this is just what life is. This is how it works. Yeah. You, you go to church, you do this, and you do this. And, and, and then on top of that, they layer consequences that you're always kind of afraid of picking at. So you just kind of steer clear of that. And you, you just kind of put your head down. You, you, you do what you need to do to stay in a social circle because you're only allowed to associate with fellow Jehovah's Witnesses. And, like, and is that, because you mentioned your baptism, was that post-baptism that you were only allowed to associate or throughout your life? 
It was throughout my life, like that, like that feeling, that gut feeling. Yeah. Even when I got baptized, it was because of pressure. <laughs> like I, I think I was 15, and at that point, um, I guess most people got baptized before 15. And for me, they were like, "What, yo? Why is it like? Why are you getting so old and like not doing this?" Like, so they like they kind of started pressuring me into committing to the religion. Gotcha. At but that now, point, if you wouldn't have got baptized, then you couldn't have been disfellowed. Right. And you couldn't have been an apostate. Yep. Because my best friend. Yeah. My best friend Brandon, who was just here visiting, he was. It was funny I ran into you because he was just talking about it. Yeah. And he, he doesn't talk about it a lot, but it was always when we as he's a group of all of our guys, yeah. and he would never like he was never big on Christmas and birthdays just weren't his thing because he didn't get to celebrate them growing up. That's how I am still. Like yeah. I only celebrated two of them so far, and I like, Christmas once. Like yeah. I, it just it, it, I don't get it. Right, like, yeah. when you have it as a child, it's nostalgic. Yeah. Christmas is a yeah. thing. You're like, oh, it brings yep. me back to a childhood. You don't have that. Yeah, he doesn't have that. But he said he he never got baptized because when he was young, he was like, nah, I don't. He's like, cause he knew in his he's like, I don't believe in this shit, and I do not want to lose my mom and my dad. Yeah. So he's like, I'm not doing it. And he, his, his little brother was going to do it, and he he talked his little brother into not doing it. He's like, I'm glad I was able to stop my brother from doing it because now he's not a part of the religion. He's like, and we both get to have a relationship with our parents. But they, he's like, it's it's strange because they're still very heavily into the religion. Yeah. So she's very, t- talks to him about it and stuff. But yeah. she, she doesn't write him off because he was never baptized. Yeah, it it it, and it, it depends, it, person to person, family to family, how they react will be different. I mean, there, there's a little bit of freedom within it to just kind of do your own thing. So a lot of people will do their own thing and just kind of keep it on the down low, you know, because right deep down that family bond is strong to them and, and, right. and they can kind of feel it but but then you have the people that are fear is a really good control mechanism you know so like it, it <laughs> yes, just it they can't get over that fear of and i have to back up like 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 their their belief system pushes that if you sin and you're not in good standing when armageddon comes it's a doomsday you know thing and you know you're not going to make it into everlasting life in the future yeah so you know, for a lot of families, that fear keeps that family bond, like like in my instance, at zero. You know, because because that that is way more important. Achieving that, you know, hope is is way more important than what's going on here and now. And what what really the worst part about that for me is you're missing out on the one life you actually know you have because we know that we have this one. Yeah. And you're assuming yeah. you have that one. And if you die and the lights go out, you won't know what you lost because you'll be done. But yeah. you will have lost your one chance at an experience, an actual life. Right. And th- deep down, I knew like all my life that like, that's how I felt. Um, but and and they'll and they'll preach that that like people because they don't believe in a future or 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 that hope for the future. I mean, like, like you can look at cult- ancient cultures throughout history and different religions. And we all have different things that we expect in the afterlife or different hopes that, that we look forward to, you know? Um, f- for them, they're like, well, if there's no hope, you know, nothing that we're trying to achieve, then then in the present, you just live a debaucherous life and you, and, and you, you do crazy things and it leads to pain and anguish and blah, 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 and stabbing yourself all over with many pain. That's a scripture in the 
in the Bible somewhere. I don't remember where it was. That, if you have, if you don't have a hope for an afterlife, that you would live that way. Yeah, just just crazy. You we, know, we don't live because here's the reason we don't live that way is it's not desirable. Your experience yeah. sucks if you're constantly yeah. throwing alcohol down your throat yeah. and screwing anybody. You have yeah. diseases involved. I mean, a lot of people do live that way, but a lot of people get out of they that because they, don't they make realize it this long. isn't desirable. Yeah, you know? they, they either get out of it or they die young. Yeah, but the majority of us find a life that works for us. Like me, I, I like to eat mushrooms here and there. I like to smoke weed. I drink occasionally, and I like to play music. I like to work on art, and that's the way I like to live my life. And everything in balance. Exactly, and if you're in balance, <laughs> and that's why Buddhism is my favorite religion because yeah, it's a it's the least dogmatic as far as like you have to believe in this and this. It's more like no, just the present moment. More Zen Buddhism, I guess I should, I should yeah. say. But Zen Buddhism is this moment is all we know for a hundred percent sure we have. Yeah. So if you can really live in this moment, and that's not to say that in that moment you need to be 150 miles an hour down the freeway shooting your gun out the window. Like No, that's that's not necessarily living in the moment. You can sit in a, one spot with your own thoughts and just you know just have that, mm, that, that, that energy that you feel that, that is the present moment. It's a very powerful moment. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, a, I'm striving for that at this point in my life. I'm actually very ignorant to a lot of things. I'm... A, Absorbing things like a yeah. sponge right now. Yeah. Um, lear- learning what other religions believe and think. Uh, I, I mean, in, in, I, I went to college, community college, um, and I took a ancient culture you know, like slash religion course as an elective. And that was the first time in my life that I started knowing what the rest of the world and all of history really had. Wow, because you're so sheltered from that religion. That's, yeah. And but what's it's kind of I'm not gonna say it's a good thing, obviously, because you would rather experience childhood a little more normally. But to get to experience all these things, it's like you're a child again. I mean, or or the way I was when I was a child. You get to be yeah. like, what is what? What is that? Like, yeah. like I'm not calling you out by saying you just asked who Hunter S. Thompson was. Yeah. You get to discover that now. <laughs> I, That's a yeah. great thing to discover. It, it's exciting. I I mean, so like I my. Uh, we were talking about my ex, my ex, and, and the relationship previously. Um, she had a three-year-old, currently three-year-old, and I was fascinated watching him experience the world yeah. and life, and just his excitement over the dumbest shit. Yeah, <laughs> and and just how he would light up, and just you know, it, it was all so fascinating to him. The most mundane, mundane things, you know, it was beautiful. And I'm like, I'm 33, and I feel the same way as this three-year-old for a lot of different things. See, in some ways, that's really cool, though. I mean, you know, and that's the glass half full. Yeah, you went through that, but now you get to experience this for the first time. That, that's that's the, so. There's a little bit of an upside, but not yeah. not. You'd much rather have your family and have your friends you got to grow yeah. up with. I mean, like I said, each family is different. I, I was kind of always aloof with mine. You know, I was always the black sheep. They, I wasn't. I was the one out of four or three younger siblings that just wasn't as zealous in the religion my whole life. So naturally they were all kind of the favorite and I was just yeah. kind of like the fuck off idiot. Uh, I wonder what makes that, what genetic thing, because like when you're all children, you don't know better and you're only hearing one thing from your parents. What makes certain children go, I'm in. And then some children go, I don't like what you're saying to me. And that was me. I was raised yeah. extremely religious with baptism. We, you know, we went to a church twice a week and it, and I, but I, I believed in it sort of, but I, I didn't really question it, but I also didn't care about it. It wasn't my shit. I was like, no, I'm more yeah. into skateboarding and hanging out with these people and I'll go to church here. I'll skip whenever I can to skateboard. And then it wasn't until I was yeah. having an argument with one of my friends when I was like 20 years old, who was going to uh, college in Asheville about religion. I was like, well, no, Jesus is real. You know, I was, and I was, and he just like 
destroyed me in the argument. I was like, yeah, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. This is the <laughs> shit I was taught when I was growing up. So I started reading about it and researching the history of religions and why religions happen, which is extremely fascinating. There's this book, um, Sapiens. It's the it's about the evolution of our species by Novel Noah, Yuval Noah Harari, I think you say his name. But um, he explains that the, for our species to, to make it where we've made it, because we, the most amount of people we can have regularly in our lives that we can have an emotional attachment to is 150, around 150 people. I can't remember the name of that number, but there's That's a name it? for that number. 150 people is the most we have that we actually, like if, if they were to die, we would go, like actually be brokenhearted and really feel something for them. And more than that, we don't have the capacity to have that many people. So it doesn't mean throughout your life you haven't had more than that, but it means at that time in your life you care, but if they died now at this point, they're already outside of that 150 number. But um, in order for societies to exist, which because now our numbers are in the hundreds of millions in America, is through the telling of stories. So, and our our species has this uh, just really great ability to create fictional stories that we can believe in on larger scales. So, when you have, you know, a, a community when they first started, say, of a thousand people, a thousand people that were all told the same story about somebody like Jesus or whatever it was that we all relate to, now our, our blanket of people that we care about is a lot larger than 150 because, oh, you're a Christian? Cool, you're my brother. So now we can both fight for the same cause and fight the enemy together. And the religion that lasted the longest was the Roman Empire adopted Christianity through the Catholic Church, and that yeah. became the largest religion in the world. And then the Protestants happened, and then the Christians fought each other, and then America yeah. happened. And they all splintered, and now here we are. But it's know. all through the, however the story is told and believed within different groups, that group becomes a way they survive together. And that's where the excommunicating comes from. Certain groups go, well, if you're not a part of this story, then, you, we, then we don't need you for our survival. You're done. You're out. And so there's a science behind how these religions tell their stories and why they do it that way. Yeah, that's fascinating. I, I like I said earlier, I have a hard time reading books, but like I want to, I, podcasts are my thing. I do so much driving, so I listen to podcasts a lot. Try try books on tape, man. Aud yeah. Audible. Oh, that's a good idea. Audible is 15 bucks a month. You yeah. get one book a month. And if you join, let me know because you get one free book and I'll send you one of those um, through Audible because it, it's, cool. it's, it's a great way to listen to books. I'll definitely do that. But podcasts I, are a little more interesting because of conversation. Yeah. You, you I get, love listening to conversations. Yes. I, the human, just that human interaction, the nuance behind it all. It, it it is the best. I, I, there's, yeah. there's like, there's more than just what they're saying too. Like, I'm always like, I can listen to people's conversations and be like, I feel like that guy wanted to say something else, but I know he's holding back. Yeah. <laughs> Why? And then you just like think about, like, I'll daydream and when I'm listening to a podcast, and I get like lost and I'll be like, oh wait, I just realized I'm not listening anymore. I'm yeah. sorry. Like they said something, and then all of a sudden my brain is like thinking about something else. Exactly. Yeah. Because <laughs> and you go, because you, you basically join the conversation, but they, yeah. they don't know that you joined it because it's a podcast. So you have to go back and be like, sorry yeah. guys, I was over here. But um, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that the, the evolution. That's a buzzword with Jehovah's Witnesses. A buzzword. They, with they all really, Christians. yeah. That like they're just like, oh, it, like evolution is. That means there's no creator, and I'm like, no, it doesn't. Well, what if it was a dynamic that was programmed by a creator? What if that's how he created it? Yeah. What if that's how evolution. he created it? So why are we arguing about this dumb point constantly? Yeah. <laughs> it's just humanity's figuring out where we came from, and if you're saying we were created by a god. That God used whatever science is figuring out that, but we did yeah. come from what they're saying. It was survival of the fittest. It's not a theory. I actually threw that into so um, as as a witness, you you go to the two to three meetings a week. Actually, now it's two. It used to be three when I was a kid. Now they have two. But um, the midweek meeting, you would there was like a twenty minute 
section where everyone of the congregation would join the theocratic ministry school and you would give parts. You would do a little research and you give little talks. They're like three, four minutes long. And it would be on a topic of this or that. You know, you have some reference material from the Bible or like one of their publications, which is all propaganda. But um, one of I got thrown evolution once and I, I was like 15 or 16. And I, I'm doing all this research. I'm doing all this research. And, I'm, and I came to my own conclusion that I'm like, why can't this just be a programmed dynamic of creation? Exactly. And I threw it in. I, I went standard with all their material for the, the first three minutes of the four minutes. At the very end, at my conclusion, I like threw that little nugget in there. And everyone, you know, like everyone after the meeting comes up and is like, oh, that was such a great part. That was amazing. Like, you really had like a great, like, I spin on that and whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but like, do you know that like from the top down that that just went against everything in their yeah. publications? Like, do you read their publications? Right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's, um, that, that, that was a part, I remember I went to Christian school uh, for only a very short time. They kicked me out because I got caught with cigarettes. I was in eighth grade. Um, no no forgiveness. Your, you'd have lost your whole family for that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, see, well so what's up with the, Jesus was all about forgiveness and right. there's no forgiveness there. Yep. They, they, I was out of the school like that. But I remember in, in science class, our science class was literally a class teaching you why science wasn't real. Carbon dating, why it doesn't work and why it doesn't make any sense. And they were putting all this bullshit into our heads. I don't it's even not remember. not even science. The, no, it's Trying the to go against par- carbon dating. I mean, I know, it, I know it's kind of like a rule of thumb thing. Like, you know, you can guess it down to like a couple thousand yeah, years probably, ha- right? Half-life half life of carbon. Yeah. It is, that's how you can look at something and say, well, its half-life is this long, so if there was this much and yeah. it took however long, and I'm not a scientist, so I'd love to have somebody explain that better, but yeah. it is accurate. And um, the, the, I, this idea that they, they constantly try to take things that we figure out scientifically and explain why it's wrong. I mean, let's look at Galileo. He's like, oh, the uh, or is it Coper- Copernicus? One of the two was like the, the Earth uh, actually goes around the sun, the sun doesn't go around the earth. And the church was like, that's not the case because we're at the center of the universe. God created us. So what you're saying is wrong. He's like, no, I figured it out. What I'm saying is right. The earth is actually spinning on an axis. And that's where we perceive the sun is going up and down. Nope. You're, yeah. Now you're in big trouble. We're going to basically burn you at the stake unless you... It's still happening to this yeah, day. <laughs> with, with other things. They've accepted that yeah. the sun can be in the center and God can still be real. Well, now you need to accept evolution happened and God can still be real. Except because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the case. We have figured out that lower species evolve into higher species. That's just the way of the survival of the fittest works. And if, and if But they don't want to look at the actual science. If you don't look at the science, it's easy to say, well, why isn't a monkey giving birth to a human today, idiot? And you're like, gotcha, boom, you're done. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because it takes millions of years for that species to evolve. They will eventually. But it's not going to happen tomorrow. It's literally one of the talking points that I used to say when I used to knock on doors, man. Oh, knocking on yeah. doors. Let's talk about that. <laughs> oh, I hated that. I did it as little <laughs> as I could to get people off my back. But, um, yeah, basically, as a witness, you have to report time. Like, like if, if you go to a door every Saturday, and it, you know, some people skip some Saturdays here and there, but right. it's every Saturday morning. That was traditional. Um, you know, and you would put in like an hour and a half, two hours or more. If you were a pioneer, you put in like 50 hours a month. Um, like the average person would do like six hours, I guess. So you were a door-to-door salesman for a religion yeah. and you didn't get yeah. paid for it. It's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm actually thinking about a class action lawsuit on that side. Of you should. You were working but, for free. Um, selling their Oh, shit. there's more than that even. And we, all their churches, the Kingdom Halls, they're built on free labor from all their members. They don't outsource to contractors. It's people within the organization that 
are blue collar electricians, which I was, carpenters, this and that, whatever. That's where you learned the trade that you're now getting paid for. Um, well, it, it eventually kind of pivoted to where I'm at. Yeah, I mean, I started out as an electrician, but okay. Um, yeah, I was doing electrical since ten years old, <laughs> running wires wow. and installing receptacles and switches and lighting and. So, so yeah. they just have the children are just free slave labor. Yeah. Hey, we got we're giving birth to little electricians, yeah. little carpenters. Jesus was a carpenter. Come on, pick up that hammer. <laughs> yep. Oh man, I there's so much. We could talk about that for hours. Honestly, it's crazy. The, but but ultimately, I got to a point where I had an experience um, that was kind of a slap in the face. It involved a really close friend of mine, who um, got disfellowshipped and ended up committing suicide. And that happens a lot. Now that now that I've been through this experience and I and and it ultimately started the process of me being like, this isn't okay, and then reading and researching and then eventually leaving, I've found um, online that like this is a big common thing. Like it's, it, I can't even imagine how many thousands of people have committed suicide. Because they've been... As a result been, of being yeah. shunned. If they've been yeah. shunned, because that's their whole life and family, and that's yeah. the biggest thing you can do to a human being, yeah. is, to, to, is to, to take them away from the people they yeah. love. And, and honestly, the piece on drugs, this is like extremely perfect for that experience because he got disfellowshipped for using drugs that's a disfellowshipping offense wow you know you know we get thrown in prison for it now you know not being in a cult but, but in the cult they, they'll you, excommunicate you, you, you can suffer presence. that and yeah. excommunication from your family and and, yeah. and and then the guilt and the shame that is lobbed on top of it that's you know true. when you're struggling and, and already if you look at it the government has a way of excommunicating you from your family if you have drug offenses. All right, yeah. no more fun with your family. You're going to yeah. go in here. They can visit you whenever they have time to drive. Especially these poor, like a lot of these kids in poor neighborhoods get sent to prisons that are in different states and their family can't afford to visit them. So they oh, are immediately terrible. cut off. Yeah. But um, it's, it, so, so the, and there's a reason why, and I talked about one of the podcasts, and it was in uh, Noah Harari's book about um, why we need each other so much versus other animals. And it has to do with, and I, actually I'm glad I'm bringing this up because of my, uh, it was my third podcast with Big John that I talked about this, but when my wife was listening, I didn't go into enough detail. And she's like, you got to rewind that. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, so I had to explain it more th- so about the women's birthing canal. So we, when we, we, we started walking on two legs, right. we're, yeah. now, we're now, uh, the women's birthing canal got smaller. So children had to be born Premature. premature yeah exactly because if, if their skulls were too big they would kill the mother yeah so they had to be born small enough to not die and that's why it takes so long to raise a human because they're, they're born premature basically so their growth process is so much slower than other animals you think about a horse when it's born it can immediately walk and run yeah yeah I, I, most animals are that most way. animals are I that mean, way I mean, you look at dogs and kittens it's like boom within a week <laughs> they're within walking two, around yeah. on their freaking feet I, I had a cat that was four weeks old a little <laughs> fit in the palm of your hand and she knew how to use a litter box yeah. i mean yeah. so, but human beings it's it's you know uh, they can't fend for themselves so they're at least 10 or 11 and usually 14 or 15 and they're not fully developed so they're in their 20s so because of it take, because of it taking that long, there's an extreme bond with mothers and ch- children and even fathers, fathers less than mothers, but, but still an extreme attachment with you know, mm-hmm. oxytocin or whatever it is, the, the chemical bond with mother and, and child. 
because if there wasn't that bond and the mother after say after two years was like all right i get it i'm done well that child would die so there had to be an extremely strong bond so if you have or have some kind of institution like jehovah's witness where at 18 years old you yeah. decide you're you're, you're going to go off and smoke crack or whatever you're going to do and you're excommunicated now that bond that is so strong that's built into you has been broken so that, that's what goes back to the suicide rates you're talking about that's why this so it's, it causes so much depression. I couldn't imagine. I love my family to death. If they just told me I could never talk to them again, and they just and I yeah. called, they'd be like, "Nope, you know, you, you still don't believe in it." Click. That's devastating. And some yeah. people also didn't develop the right social skills to to live in this world to make new oh, co- make make yeah. new connections. The, the social skills thing too. That's that is heavy with with witnesses. Like you you you're. Even I was so socially awkward. I know like right now it doesn't seem like it, but no. I was until I was like probably 23. And like just a conversation was so hard, so hard because because you were told as you grew up in school and, and people liked you and clicked with different kids and whatever, but you, you weren't allowed to have those relationships in school. You had to like stay separate. Wow. Like I get invited to birthday parties or I get invited to people's houses. My parents say, no, they're not witnesses, you know, and it was like, People would have birthday. You're not a celebrate birthday, right? You know how, uh, like, in elementary school, did kids bring in like a treat for their birthday? Yeah. Like whatever. I had to sit in the freaking hallway and just wait for all of them to eat that treat and do the whole birthday thing, and then I could go back in afterwards. For your birthday. For their birthday. Oh, for their birthday. Whenever oh, yeah. a classmate oh, yeah. would have a birthday. Uh, yeah, I, and I get what I get freaking hallway. Yeah. yeah. I forgot you can't even celebrate other people's birthdays, let alone your own. Yeah. That's so crazy. And it it makes it hard. It just makes it hard. And and then and then because you're so socially awkward, you just kind of stay within the freaking religion because it's comfortable. Everybody's it's a a way of entrapment too. If they can keep you from being a social butterfly, then it's easier to keep you in here. Because if you can make good connections, solid connections outside the church. It's easier to lose those connections in the church if you had some outside. So they, yeah. they, 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 and that's well, another reason why it's a cult. Yeah, cults work that way. Keep yeah. you from having anybody else, any other influences. Yep. And I um, mean, I consider all religions cults on some level, but there are some like Joe's Witnesses that, that check more, more boxes. Yeah, it's it's high control, like super yeah. high control. Exactly. And, and and when they use fear, that that that's key to me is when when fear is a is a thing that's manipulated and used against you well let me say this all christianity uses fear and and because <laughs> my wife's mother calls her all the time and just says well you know like armageddon is coming and we are about to be at the end of the world yeah. and you re- and when jesus comes you need to be on the right side of this and that's fear trying yeah. to con- luckily for us it's like yeah okay well s- sorry you're it, crazy it, like, it took me over a year it took me two years to get over that anxiety of like i might die at armageddon if that's actually true like, it That's, took me a while. To, and for a lot of people, it takes decades. Like, I, I'm on um, Facebook, like, uh, groups, XJW groups. I mean, one of them I just joined is, like, 5,000 members large. Wow. And, um, and I, I see people post about their awful experiences and the things that have happened to them throughout their life. It's depressing. I almost, I can't, I can only look at it for, like, a minute at a time a day because it's just, it's just overwhelming how many people are on there. And yeah, it, it's that, there. It's, it's they It's been decades for some of these people. Until, like they left, they got disfellowshipped, and they left, left or got disfellowshipped, and it, it took ten years for them to realize that it wasn't true. Yeah. And they're now like in their forties and fifties, and just now having these conversations. Wow. And I'm just like, yeah. wow, I'm lucky. Like, like I got slapped in the face so hard that like <laughs> it's been a quick process. Yeah. And I at least can still like get out and. Do well, some that's things, awesome, but... man. I mean, that's awesome that you're, and you're, you're here talking. I, 
no, I've not noticed social awkwardness in once when I've met you. <laughs> I mean, um, but uh, another thing about fear, I remember you probably did this too. But well, y'all don't y'all don't believe in hell, do you? No, no. Uh, we just we just okay. we just believe that in just... the the absence of everlasting life. You're 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 gonna right. either die at Armageddon when it comes in this lifetime, or if you die before then, you just don't have a future of being resurrected afterwards. Gotcha. So. But so I believed in hell, which yeah. is or fear controlling. And yeah. I remember as a young child, because they were like, what it is, is you're going to burn the most horrible pain all over your whole body for eternity. Yeah. That does not seem like the loving God that no. created life for everybody. You and, know, and, and it's and, ridiculous. And, like, why would you torment someone just because they weren't good enough? You know? Yeah, like, you know, and you know, another thing, I'll bring up Yuval Noah Harari again. He said, because uh, he's a homosexual, and he said, you know, if you think that the omnipotent creator of the entire universe every beautiful thing that exists has a stipulation that if you have sex with the same species the same gender of the yeah. same species that you are going to be damned for an eternity of burning and fire like that's insane there's no <laughs> way like why would that creator care or even yeah. pay any attention to that that doesn't make any sense now when you talk about like murdering people or stealing from people that affect other people sure but if two consenting members that adults want to have sex, I don't think any God would ever care. doesn't make any sense. But I, I do remember as a kid, though, sitting and trying to imagine what eternity with fire would be like. And trying to, and every once in a while, I would grasp eternity with fire. Like, there's never an end. And I would, like, freak out and be like, oh, don't think about that. And, like, that's, like, multiple times as a kid, I'd sit there and ponder that. That's not healthy. I don't think any religion should have that, that, side, that dark side of it. I mean, I think... I think these concepts of heaven and hell and stuff, like there might be some truth to them, like, but it, it, throughout the millennia, it, lost in translation and then just built upon and it is well, what it is now. I think I we guess. experience heaven and hell on earth. I mean, we have positive, so positive and negative energy, the polarization of existence almost wouldn't exist if it was all just one, um, yeah. one energy. Yeah. Like, but I think so once energy becomes like the sun, this is going to get a little bit convoluted, what I'm trying to explain. But so the sun, if, we all are products of the sun. Yeah. When the sun, the particles clutched in the, the first, the original sun, and then it blew up, and then it, and it became a smaller sun, and all these particles and different things floated out, and they gathered, and then they created balls that started orbiting the sun, and those balls started creating its own life. And fast forward a billion years, all of a sudden we have self-aware consciousness, which Alan Watts compares as basically we are the universe looking back at itself which is a cool way of looking at the universe. Like, we are the universe. We are literally particles of the universe that gets to experience the beauty of the universe. Alan Watts was one of the names, somebody, when I, when I was, it was, it was one of my first best friends I ever made that was not a witness. Yeah. I was going outside the group, and I connected with someone who was awesome. And they were like, look up Alan Watts. <laughs> That's great. And, and, and then from there, it was just another name and another name and another concept and, you know, the rabbit hole never ends when it comes to... It really it, doesn't. But I love that quote, that we are the universe looking back at itself. And um, I, I, I don't know, I kind of lost my train of thought now. I do believe in that, and, and, uh, and that's what Mushrooms gave me. It, I didn't even... I never read... I never actually heard that from Alan Watts. But after I did Mushrooms for the first time and came and chewed on that for like a month, the whole experience... Um, it was like it was like that information, that understanding, just kind of downloaded itself into my brain, and my memory. Right. It, 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 it was it was weird. It was weird. I'm still I'm still on the path of that right yeah. now. But so, so and that's one thing we were going to talk about is that you, when when you mushroom the mushroom trip actually helped you to make the final move to leave the religion, correct? Yeah, I was. Okay, so 
Hmm, where do I start? Okay, so it was it was my friend who committed suicide after, you know, he was suicidal and was turning to meth. And because because he tried to attempt suicide, ended up in a like a rehab. And while he was in rehab, it became known from his like brother going through his cell phone that he was doing meth. And within two weeks, they just fellowshiped him. And I was freaking out at that point. Like, I was like, he's suicidal. He yeah. needs people right now. He you're gonna cut. Help. You're gonna cut off everybody he knows right now. He stands no chance. And I mean, it was like six months later. He, he ended up eventually killing himself. But that that hit me so hard that I was like, this isn't what Jesus would have ever done. Like, there's nothing in the Gospels of Jesus that that we should have gotten this from. We have yeah. this one stupid scripture in Corinthians that was like written to a congregation about people being apostate, not believing in Jesus and, and saying, don't hang out with them, basically. Like, don't surround yourself with those type of people. And then, like, our religion just, like, took that away and with it. And yeah, that was a letter from what Paul to the Corinthians or yeah. something. Yeah. But what Paul, about... who was crazy. What, what about what Jesus <laughs> said? The, 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 yeah. the red writing. Everything. Like, he said... he. I had, so I did so much research at that moment in my life. I was like, okay, so we have this one scripture in Corinthians. And then I'm like, I can look through the Bible and find probably six or seven that contradict the act of shunning and disfellowshipping because of this. Right. In particular. It makes zero sense. Like, it's obviously this is a control mechanism. So I was just kind of doing, I think I was just doing some like electrical work for a, a friend actually. Um, he wasn't a witness. It was a, a guy I met through work, I think. And I was just working on his house and all oh, this is going through my mind. And I have no one to talk to. And I just kind of like, I think I was just like wiring an outlet. And I'm like, yeah, so I think I'm in a cult. It's <laughs> like a random <laughs> wow. statement to make. And, and, and then it just led into a conversation. And the dude was like, after talking like we are now, he was like, you need to do mushrooms. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> yes. I was like, well... You know, I kind of know a little bit about it. And from what I know, it seems like something I do want to try. And he just, like, walked upstairs, grabbed a little bag, and then, like, gave it to me. And he's like, here, I've been holding on to that for, like, a few weeks. You can have it, though. And I held on to that for, like, six months before I took them. <laughs> I wasn't ready. Yeah. Um, and and uh, because I was still kind of in my wake-up stage. And, and then I just, I was listening to a lot of Joe Rogan. You know, I'm listening to him interview people like Paul Statements. Is Paul, Stam- you... Paul Stamets, the uh, yeah. mycologist. And, and, and just, you know, different rants on religion and, and other philosophers. Uh, Graham. Graham, Graham Hancock. Is, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm just starting to draw conclusions that make more sense to me than anything I've ever been told. And um, I ended up, ended up reconnecting with an old friend of mine that I used to write music with. Uh, it was a really good friend of mine. She, she was born and raised Joe's Witness too. eventually left. When we reconnected, turns out she's been doing mushrooms for years and like all this. And she's like, yeah, I'll just we'll go out in nature. You do them. We'll sit down. I'll make sure you don't freak out, you know. And, and, um, and I felt comfortable. I was like, finally, I found someone I'm, I'm comfortable around to do it. And then someone experienced in this, you know. Yeah. So we go out in the middle of nowhere, you know, just surrounded by trees and nature. It was, it was awesome. Honestly, it was, it was the perfect first experience. And I don't know what, four or five hours it lasted. It felt, it felt like three days (laughs) and just, 
in that moment, I remember like understanding infinity, like like no beginning, no end, and and Each just like itself is infinite, in, in a way like it's yeah, and, and like it, it got weird, weird and surreal, where like like I almost felt like I got baptized, like that's a like real baptism. all over again. No, it yeah, is. it was like it, like everything in my life, everything I've experienced, and everything was like meant to be exactly the way it was leading up to this moment. It was just like a real profound feeling, and 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 also like. Like I said, infinity. Like that was a, a mathematical thing that I always chewed on and just didn't understand. And in that moment, I was like, "Well, I can't really describe it with words, but I get it." Like I'm like, I, I actually feel like I've existed before the consciousness I have right now. And that was just one trip. I've, yes, it, it's a weird <laughs> feeling because you can't. It's not tangible. You can't. At, when when you come back to reality. You knew what it was then. You're like, this is what it is. And then when yeah. you come back, you're like, my, my brain can't comprehend it anymore. It, and under the influence of that, it comprehended way more than it does in its regular state. So you, I was but, like, dude, I was looking at the sun, the wind, how it manipulated, the, you know, the, the trees, trees yeah, and the, pollen. the weeds and everything. And just the symbiotic relationship of everything made sense to a level I one. never understood yes, before. We are all one. Yeah. And we are all interconnected in a way that everything you do affects this, which affects that. And that with that, once you realize that we are that connected, that's when you really start to care about the earth. You start to care about everything. You're like, I, what I do does matter. And you are important. And at the same time, you're less important than you ever thought you were. Yeah. Yeah. I felt so insignificant at that point in time. And your insignificance is almost a good thing. Yeah. I remember I, I I used to be scared of flying, petrified. And then I smoked DMT and it was like, you're not that important, man. I want to do that next. You can do that whenever you want. Maybe ayahuasca. I don't know. I, I've been, been learning and, and, and reading about that. I kind of I know that's a little more of like a religious kind of like ritual type thing, thing yes. you know, which might feel comfortable because I yeah I don't know my it's, background. If you but, get a real shaman, like not not a white shaman here in the states, but like there's a guy in Fort Myers that was trying to sell me DMT. He wouldn't let me just take it home and do it. He was oh, like, yeah, No, yeah. we got to do like a ritual. I'll 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 do the ritual and I'll like partake of it with you. And I'm like, I don't. No, I just want to do it on my own. Like, leave me alone. I personally think that's all you need to do. Um, I, you know, I'm definitely not a shaman. Um, but in, in, again, I've always any white guy that's telling me he's a shaman is full of shit. Um, and if you're a psychologist, if yeah. you, if you're a psychologist, a trained psychologist, and you use the word shaman, okay, maybe. But you're not a shaman. A shaman is a, it's a different culture. You, you know, you, you're a therapist. You're a guide. Sure. Okay. But um, but again, I think yeah. for me, for me, I see. I guess I've always done psychedelics and by myself, or not, but well, yeah. with people that didn't know more than I did. They were just kids, so I had always find my own route, and I feel like that's a good way for most people. Some people, though, especially people with um, certain mental illness in their family, maybe they should go to a more clinical setting, and it should be more available, though. Right yeah. now, if you're most places, you can't go to a clinical setting and do mushrooms. You have to do them wherever they're they're available. So. Which is where, really? I mean, it's um, not even... Is it legal and, like... No, I mean available as in on the streets. Like, yeah. And oh, okay. with mushrooms, it's the streets aren't really the streets. It's a, it's a dude's house, some hippie <laughs> that grows them. He's cool as shit. Yeah. But, um, but um, no, so I, so I wrote down a few things. Uh, the peyote... Oh, oh, what we're talking about with the... Uh, when you said it was, like, being baptized. Um, so I just read this book, and actually, Graham Hancock, one of his... The last time he was on Rogan... Can was, I interrupt yes. you for one yes, second? Of course. 
Yeah, because when I was baptized as a, as a Jehovah's Witness, it felt so fake. Like like they, they used to tell you that like, oh, this is like this great connection with you and God and only you and, and this prayer that you have to have beforehand. And, and I went under and came up out of the water and everybody's around. My family's clapping, whatever. And I, it just felt wrong. I felt like, like, what the hell was this? Yeah, you didn't. You it didn't makes no anything. sense. I didn't experience anything. So, so the mushroom and then mushrooms. Like, I'm just that like, was a real baptism. Fuck, this yeah. is awesome. Like this is the first day I've ever lived. <laughs> yeah. Like that's what you thought baptism yeah. was supposed to be like. <laughs> yeah. But so so this book, and I'm going to get back to what we were mm-hmm. just talking about. But uh, it's right here actually, the, the Immortality Key by Brian Muir Rescue. I just finished this. <clears throat> he um he was on Rogan and uh, Graham Hancock because of COVID was on a video with them. Mm-hmm. But um. He basically was reading these studies. Um, he, he's a lawyer. He's never done psychedelics, still hasn't. And um, Graham Han- Hancock actually commended him for not using psychedelics because he said the problem is if you do psychedelics and then you come out with some shit like this, they're just going to call you a crazy evangelist mm-hmm. for drugs that There's you're on. Bias. But yeah. if you're not on drugs, you can come out and say this. Just, yeah. you know, it's just facts. I mean, yeah. You can't argue. You can, you can be objective. Yeah. Like, I, I've never done this, but here's the research I've seen. So as a lawyer, he's reading these, these new studies that were coming out of um, John Hopkins about they're giving people that are at the end of their lives that are terminal with you know cancers they're mm. giving them these mushrooms i think i remember this episode yeah. yeah so they're giving them these mushrooms and then they're they're um they're having these crazy experiences and they're coming out still gonna die but no longer afraid of death and so he's reading this and this guy this guy studied uh like ancient ancient religions and ancient texts ancient uh languages so he knew sanskrit and all these other things and he said well there's this ancient religion that had no name in Eleusis. Eleusis was a Greek city and uh, still is, but it, they used to have these mysteries there. People would go and uh, people from like Plato and Socrates would go, went to these and wrote about it. And after these mysteries in Eleusis, and nobody knows what's happening because all the in- information has been destroyed about what went down there. Mm-hmm. But they were saying, no longer afraid of death. I now know that I'm immortal. So his theory was like, they were going and doing psychedelics. So he went on this mission to write this book all over to explain. And then he gets into, and he's Catholic. He's like, basically the original so the, the loosest mysteries were only for the elite. Well, they, So those mysteries got moved into the underground called the Dionysus uh, thing. And this was 1,500 years before Christ. Dionysus was the wine god. Dionysus' first trick, 1,500 years before Christ, was he was, he was a half god. His mother, his mother was impregnated by Zeus, so she was a virgin when he was born. Mm-hmm. So born of a virgin mother, his first trick at a party is he turns the water into wine when they ran out of wine. And so when John was writing to the Greeks... And he, he's writing to the Greeks to, to, about Jesus. He says, Jesus turned water into wine. That was basically a message to them. Hey, what Jesus is doing is the same thing Dionysus is doing. Didn't, didn't Houdini learn from some other guy in, initially? I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's all, it's the all, original Houdini. It is. And, 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 no, you, you're right, though. And that's what Jesus was, a magician. But what he was doing, though, apparently, according to this theory, is his Eucharist, the, uh, the wine and the cracker, the wine was actually a, a psychedelic brew. And when you did the, and all, the original Christian church was all underground because it was illegal in Rome. So it was these basically these little underground, almost like a rave. But you'd go to somebody's yeah. house and you would drink this wine and have this crazy experience. And that was the foundation of Christi- Christianity was this psychedelic religion that was based on Dionysus, which was all the same story as Jesus. But um, one thing he said, so 
This, he calls it the oldest religion with no name because it was universal around the globe. And the Christians, once, once the Catholic Church became an institution, were like, we, we can't compete with this. When people are doing psychedelics, they don't need to come to us and give us money. Yeah. what we offer is fake. Yeah. So they outlawed it. And the witch hunts, yeah. the women were the ones who did most of the brewing too. So the witch hunts were actually, they were brewing up these secret things and doing these, basically having little raves out in the woods. They weren't, they were very religious. They weren't like raves. But, yeah. um, but basically giving drugs. So the war on drugs really goes back to the Catholic Church trying to stomp out this other religion that was better than yeah. theirs. Now it's just political. Now it's political. <laughs> but but so what happened in America when the war on drugs very first started, and I just it was at the end of this book when I was like, all right, I got to do a podcast. on. I'm going to do a whole episode on this. But basically outlawing pe- peyote was the original, in the 1800s was the original war on drugs. And what it was is they were having a lot of trouble converting the Native Americans to Christianity because they had peyote. Get rid of the peyote. We can convert them because why are they going to believe our shit when they're when they're experiencing God? We we don't have actual God. What we have is a wine and a cracker, and it sucks. <laughs> Peyote's awesome, but peyote doesn't. You know, we need you to come to our church and give us money, and we need to control you and manipulate you. So, and that's what you're what you're experiencing was the true religion that is universal yeah. in all of us, which is being one with nature. It grows out of the friggin' ground. It's just that. It's yeah, right there. Yeah, you think God gave us a book? He didn't give us a book. <laughs> he gave us a plant. And I don't say, when I say he, I'm just saying it because that's the, yeah. the pronoun that's used. I don't, we don't, God's beyond gender. But God, yeah. the universal the universal energy of, the, of everything, this mushroom comes up through the ground and you can eat it and you can experience immortality for a brief time. But it, it really does make you not afraid of death. Like, I know what it's going to be like. That's, it's going to be yeah, another... another... That, I, fear of death was one of the things that was deleted from me too. So not only did I not fear the consequences of leaving my religion, like like those people, I mean, yeah, that was, you know, I'm a social person. I want friends and I want people to be around and people to accept me. But I realized in that moment that like, it, I don't have to fear that. Like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to be okay. And I'm going to move forward. I'm going to meet new people. I'm going to do cool things. This freaking podcast right now. Like, Hell yeah. Like, it, 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 I just knew that would happen. And that fear gone, fear of death even. I mean, like, dying prematurely kind of sucks. Like, there's things I want to do, you know. Of course. Have That's a family, maybe write music again, you know, experience some things. But but ultimately, I just know that, like, if it happened unexpectedly, like, I don't have to fear that. It, it's... Well, it's gonna one, be fine. <laughs> the biggest thing is that you can't control it. Yeah. And uh, in Buddhism, they call it. There's this thing called the the first dart and the second dart. The first dart is what happens to you, whatever it is. Say, so let's use it in traffic. Somebody cuts you off. That's the first dart. Boom. That happened. You can't change that. You got cut off. Now you get mad and you blow in your horn and you you take you, you drive it on the other side and you give them the middle finger. Mm-hmm. That's the second dart. <laughs> Playing <of> fire. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, in this yeah. country, you don't want to get shot or anything. But point is, that's the second dart. Even just getting mad. Let's let's say you don't yeah. do anything. Let's say you don't react and don't flip them off, but you get mad. You you motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. That's the second dart. Holding that your, in, to yourself, man. It's only affecting yeah. you. All you have to do is immediately when he cuts you off, is go that happened, and boom, you and you're free of that second thing happening. Yeah. So we let the, those other things go. Yeah. So, um, I, I don't remember why, um, what I was going to, I was going to talk about, oh, my, bu- so I text my buddy Brandon, who was a Joe's Wednesday, and I said, what's well, a few things I, sh- I should ask him? And, um, he, one oh, of nice. them I found interesting was, so you, I, I never even heard this until he brought it up, but so I, you know, we, we have the image of Jesus on the cross. Yeah. He said, you guys have him on yeah. a stake. Yeah. It's the most annoying argument ever. <laughs> Oh my God! It's like, why does it matter? Why would it what matter? he died on? I don't care if he died. 
<laughs> by being thrown off a cliff. It just it's the same thing. He died, you know. He like, died for yeah for it, the sins of humanity. I guess, but I guess because the cross became such a symbolic thing. So you wanted their own symbol. It's just the symbology. Yeah, thing. they just want something to be different by. I guess. So, but let's explain for the listeners who don't know. So, so you guys have him on a stake yeah. where his hands are together above his head. I think yeah, exactly nailed nailed like that. You know, okay. through and through. And I've uh, seen I've seen that image head. before, and I always yeah. thought that's not right. What is that? It might honestly be more more accurate. I don't know. I, I don't know. Like either. the cross might be more of like a pagan like thing. I, you know, that's what they say. And, um Because really? they say in their translation, they they try really hard to get the translations oh. word for word right from you know the, the, the Greek, Hebrew and the Greek. Yeah. Um, and and that the the, the 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 most pure translation of it is not cross. It's stake. So and and I mean and to be honest though. That's what the Romans did, and it back in history, you got crucified, not on a cross. People, they would just put you on a stake, and they have you sitting there on the side of the road, you know, as like a piece to for everybody to see as an example. Like it was never oh, people right. die on crosses. Yes. There's always stakes. Like that's well, because it's cheaper. I'm sure. But but for I mean, he might have been special. He was freaking Jesus. Like I don't know. Maybe well, he they, wasn't maybe, Jesus maybe when, they, they, when they killed him. He wasn't. He was just another guy. They were true. They, they yeah. They, they didn't want to believe that. Yeah. Maybe. There's another interesting book called Zealot. Now. The Christians mm-hmm. hate this book because a Muslim wrote it, but um, he didn't, he wrote it. He he transitioned to Christianity, and then he um, he he thought he figured out it was all bullshit. And I don't I don't think he's a Muslim now. I don't know, but it was an interesting book about the times of Jesus's death, and he likened Jesus more of uh, somebody who hated Rome's occupation of Israel and was basically trying to trying to get Rome out of Israel and thought Rome was in bed with the priests in Israel and that they were and that the priests weren't being honored honoring the, Juda, the Judaic religion mm-hmm. so he wanted them at, you know out of the the holy land and was basically more of a almost liking him to like an Osama bin Laden kind of uh, not terrorist like he wasn't murdering people but he did run through one of the capitals and the, it's in the Bible too where Jesus ran through one of the um, what temples? He, one of the temples. Well, he overturned the tables. Yeah, yeah, he was that. pissed because they were right. they were conducting business exactly and capitalizing on people, poor people trying to just show up and give sacrifices and, and do their due diligence. You know, and, and that's what those yeah. those priests were. And, and within the Judaism, every animal that was required to sacrifice for your sins were all edible, and you'd bring in your sheep or whatever they wanted, and they would to go sacrifice it. And then there was this huge cookout that the priests had. So they were having like a feast afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's basically where the, the, the whole Jewish religion started was the priests were like, all right, for your sins, you bring me, you know, bring whatever it is, two chickens and whatever. I, yeah. I don't know what they were. Not, not really God coming down and like absorbing it in fire from heaven. You yeah, know? No, they're having a cookout. They're just eating it Thanks later. For, yeah. Your sins are atoned. You're good. Get out of here. All right. Cool. Yeah. That's crazy. I'm, I'm looking at some of the things he said, and I, honestly, we covered most of them. Um, he always said that Charles Taze Russell, the founder, about probably yeah. nothing interesting to get well, into. Well, actually, it. no, I can, okay. I can, right. I have a few things about that. I, Charles Taze Russell. I mean, this this all happened like maybe a hundred ten years ago, maybe hundred twenty years late, ago. Late eighteen hundreds is when he was. <clears throat> and um, Charles Taze Russell actually, like, I don't think he believed he was going to make a cult when he first got started. I think he was legitimately. There was a movement called the Bible Students, and they were basically reading the bible aside from the church and being like i think this is really the true like interpretation of what these scriptures mean and stuff t- to their extent and their ability to understand it um because i think the church definitely bastardized religion and jesus and all that and everything and control and money and, and corporation style and eventually i think witnesses became a corporation well they are a corporation if you look up watchtower bible track society it is a corporation now. Yeah. 
But um, it wasn't until Russell died and the people that succeeded him, is that the right word? Yeah. Um, started changing what was already going. Like, you know, it, it evolved from what it is. Even still today, it's changing and evolving. And they come out with new light and they change this or that because of an interpretation or because some doctrine is losing members. They'll just change it, you know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it wasn't until Rutherford. It, 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 the funny thing is, like, Jesus said, don't be a don't be judgy you know jesus always like stop being judgy <laughs> yeah and 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 the, this, the guy that came after russell was judge joseph rutherford <laughs> and he and since him from him forward that's when like the disfellowshipping stuff kind of started coming around and 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 you know you weren't allowed to grow a beard you weren't allowed to have long hair you had to be a certain way and it became way more controlling. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, dude, I've grown my hair out for the first time in my life because nice. like they would like be on my back about it being more than two inches now, long. Did they did they think Jesus didn't have a beard or long hair? Yo, yeah, every even in their their illustrations, like in their books, he did. He's got a beard and long hair. I'm like, well, what the hell? Like, <laughs> don't be like him that much. Sense. Be like yeah. Jesus, except for the hair and the beard. Yeah, but he he was a clean shaven guy. Russell had a beard and long hair. And had like a bunch of followers, and I think this other guy was just jealous, and that's uh, why he didn't like the beard. He wanted everyone to change for him, and then like it set off a culture that has permeated down to like now. And they probably yeah. use that scripture that says something like men should have their hair short because they're of the image of God, and a woman should have her hair long because she's of the image of man and should be ashamed. I'm not sure I read that one. I read that one. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's just the way it's another sexist verse in the Bible. Also, have you yeah. ever read the or heard of the Gnostic uh, scriptures? Not like in particular, which parts of the, the Gnostic Bible? scriptures are not in the Bible. They, oh, okay, they, they were not included when when yeah. Rome put the Bible together. When Rome put the Bible together, they left out a whole bunch of scriptures. Mary Magdalene had a scripture. Yes, I've actually Thomas, done a little bit of this. Of I mean, even like the account of Adam and Eve. There was like before Eve, there was Lilith. Like really? that. Like that is some cool shit to look into. Actually, yeah, I haven't looked into that. But no, the Gnostic religions are cool because back way back in the Greek mysteries, the theory is that when the Rome outlawed the underground, it was called like the refrigerum or something, I'm probably mispronouncing that, but they were these Greek get-togethers. And Paul wrote about it. It's like, you're, you're misusing the Eucharist. And, and so this author was explaining, well, what is, because people were dying. And it's like, well, if you get the, the concoction wrong with the drugged wine, because they think ergot was what they were using, which is mm -hmm. LSD's derivative of. Yeah, but ergot, and it's not pure form, it can be poisonous and can kill you. Mm -hmm. So so imagine a rave or some kind of party like that happening yeah. where people were dying. So yeah. Paul wrote Take a letter. You got cocaine, you got fentanyl. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Paul wrote a letter to the to the Corinthians, and one of them was saying, like, like you're, you're sinning by using the Eucharist this way. It's supposed to be this way. But, the, but so the idea was once Rome kind of took over Christianity, that a lot of these uh, subsets of Christianity, like the Gnostics, were still using the Eucharist, still using the psychedelic version, and, and still having all these parties. And basically, and again, that's where the witch hunts came in. They, they were like, we got to stomp out these little parties. And we're just history repeating itself. And we always are. Yeah, the war on drugs right now is just basically what we're talking about. Exactly. They've been doing it since then. But now, they, now it's not religion-based as much. It's more... Because we moved into it as a, you know, and really honestly, all goes back to the agricultural revolution. Because once we started manipulating nature for our own will, that that that's where everything changed. That and actually, if you look at the, if you want to get biblical, our exodus exodus of the from the garden was moving from hunter gatherer to agriculture. And once that happened, we had things to be able. And then we started having a surplus. Once we have a surplus, we have something to protect. Once we have a surplus, we get a, high, we get a, a ruling class that has more than the lower class. And as soon as all these starts happening, we start getting bigger, bigger societies, 
that's where religion comes into play. You, you hear about the Tower of Babel back in? I think that's a Genesis account. I when, I, I know the story. I'm that's not, when God confused um, language so that yeah. we all were forced to like be more Oof. primitive and splinter off. Splinter off. Well, because he was mad because they were trying to reach God through a tower, which is the stupidest story, really, if you think about it. God's like, you're yeah. getting too close. Chew on that one for a little. It's um, <laughs> another sub- subject, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's an interesting story. The Tower of Babel. I, I assume, I always assume when I talk religion, people just know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But yeah. I forget some people weren't raised that way. And now the Tower of Babel was the, these, the group of people that were building a tower to get close to God. And God's like, you can't get, you can't get up here with me, like with a tower. What are you thinking? So he just, he, he basically broke up the people building the tower into different religions. And all of a sudden, they couldn't understand each other. So they broke off which, whatever, whatever tongue that they were given, they broke off into different areas. And that's where the, their different dialects come from. Well, we can already look at, any, any scientist could tell you no. If you look at the Indo-European languages, they all stem back to one language that turned into Germanic, Latin, and they all splintered off. And then you have like the, the Asian languages that are that are not from the Indo-European. And it's, it's actually really fascinating to get into yeah. that kind of thing. But that's not for this podcast yeah. at all. But um, actually, if you want to listen to an interesting podcast, it's called The History of English. And this this dude, The History of the English Language, and he breaks down each, like all these. It's just so fascinating why we use pH. Why we use why D sounds like um, I'm gonna mess all this up if I talk about it. Just the history of English, but um, oh no, I wanted to ask one more thing. So earlier in the podcast, I said something that I honestly don't know is it's true. I said Mormons the biggest cult is Jehovah's Witness. I think it's bigger. It's, it's worldwide. Bigger it's okay. it's legitimately worldwide. Um, their headquarters is in uh, New York, and. It, I mean, it's throughout the country. It started in Pittsburgh. It's in New York. And I mean, they're they're in Europe. They're they're banned in Russia. They're probably banned in like North Korea, but um, most every other country in the world, it's there. I mean, they yeah. they, they do. That's one. They're pretty zealous. Like it, it's not. It's that's why it's so hard to say it's a cult to certain people because they're genuine. And it, it, there's there's a section of it that when you realize at the high end how disingenuous they are and, and, and there's lies and deceit, but at the lower end, it's people trying to spread what they think is best for everyone. They're actually yeah. doing what they think is loving, you know, Which and, and I think it, it's it really convoluted though, in a way. I mean, but I, I, the reason I want to bring it up is just because I was like, I just said Mormon's the biggest cult. It's like, I don't even know if that's true at all. Yeah. I know you're saying probably not that, but the, there's a big difference with the so Mormon has its own book. And also, Mormon story. Right. Mormon story is not based on the Bible so much. Mormon, I don't even think hardly at all. Yeah. Like well, it, they believe Jesus came over to after after he was spoke, resurrected, he came and spoke to the yeah, Indians. Yeah, he was like a teenager too. Yeah. And right? also, the Indians, if he Probably spoke to on them, mushrooms, yeah. <laughs> probably but, started his own religion after doing mushrooms. If he spoke to the Indians, though, why, why didn't they know about him when the English got here? I mean, that seems like yeah. a, like your religion's right there. Just what? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I I haven't really read. I mean, other than like the South Park episode that everyone references. I haven't done a lot of research into the Mormons. Um, it to me, it feels like it was just kind of like a very quick, fast track political way to be ahead, be special, you know, and it just self propagated from there. And and, that, and they also have the multiple uh, wives, and y- y'all don't have that, right? No, no, that'd be cool, but probably not. <laughs> I don't know. It probably sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> it's, it's cool for the one guy, <laughs> yeah. not for his multiple wives. Have all yeah, now that, that sounds like a terrible scenario. Like, just you know, a lot of crazy, uh, I don't know. It's bizarre. Psychopathic people. It's very, it's very bizarre, and it definitely goes against um, 
the natural instinct of, of humanity. We're not, you know, uh, and monogamy might not be natural either. No, I'm not it's saying not. that That's, necessarily. Yeah, I mean, society eventually evolved to the point where we realized it's more beneficial to not do that. Like the family unit wise, it's just I, healthier. I, I think it also goes back to but, if it takes 18 years to raise a child and a woman has to give birth, you know, nine months of being pregnant and then, and yeah. then has to raise a child. It's good. It helps the, the unit if the if the man that's hunting and God, doing the things while she's doing, you know, pregnant mm-hmm. and everything. That he's with her and not fathering a bunch of children with a bunch of different people, because because the for the community <laughs> it makes sense. Also, yeah. if you're in a community, there's roughly fifty percent of each sex, roughly. Yeah. So if one dude has five wives, then there's a few dudes that have no wives. I mean, so in that yeah. sense too. Well, that's kind of an Old Testament. The Old Testament of the Bible had a lot of polygamy in it, and I, I'm not yeah. really sure when it, it, it that stopped because the new testament the greek scriptures don't really mention that anymore well, at some point that, as we got more civilized yeah, if you Ro- think about it greek and roman cultures i think just kind of stopped doing that yeah. naturally yeah i don't and think I, it was a religious thing in particular it probably once cultures grew it made more sense and it's created more order but as you go back to the old testament you're talking about almost like slightly post caveman like we're just not, we're just now out of the hundred gather societies and people just want to have sex i mean the center yeah. so <laughs> if one dude is a little more powerful he's going to just screw a bunch of women and that still happens they don't get married they just have a you know but then it's not marriage so marriage is once you start creating families it's a different thing honestly i'm getting into topics that i don't need know enough about i'm just kind of throwing them out there <laughs> we'll probably oh my god we're, there's so many topics to cover <laughs> There are, and um, I, you know what? We, we can wrap this up. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about that, to get you know that, that you want to put out there about the, your experiences with the, uh, um, the church? I, I don't know. I mean, it, uh, just podcast for me. If I didn't have podcasts like Joe Rogan and stuff like this that I listen to, I I don't. I might still be in it. You know, like it was it was. That easy thing to listen to that was harmless, you know. So spreading knowledge yes. is awesome, and spreading knowledge is almost more powerful than the mushroom yeah. trip. And if re- what you were yeah. saying that listening to Rogan actually changed your mind, and then the mushrooms blasted yeah. your mind. And it wasn't Rogan; it was, it was his guests, it, the people that of he course. interviews. Listening to what they had to say just really was mind opening. I, you know, I, I think in the future it'd be cool to. I, I mean, I'm joining these these ex Jehovah's Witness like recovery groups and seeing all this and just figuring out a way to bring it all together yes. um, either it be a podcast and interviews or well, actually someone there is one um it, it's called uh shunned it's called shunned and his, his he tells his story um it's called this jw life i think i listened to him right when i was still before my mushroom trip and i was literally just like enthralled because it was everything i've experienced too and this guy was so like not about himself he wasn't haughty he wasn't like you know have a big ego or anything he was just a genuine guy that like realized oh i see what's going on here and just told his story and then i followed that and then one thing led to another other podcast this or that and i felt comfortable leaving you know i i want to propagate that i want to help other people i see i have friends that are still in it that are depressed and and they're too afraid to have this conversation. Yeah. Because it it's they're programmed to reject anything that goes against the, you know these these doctrines and these teachings. Um and and I mean this one guy like I really worry for him. I think he is probably going to take his life someday if he doesn't turn around and find something that brings him out of it. 
but it's like I, I can't do it. You're helpless. You so know? It's so like, some, how do you get to these people? So if somebody's listening to this and they're going through what you're saying, what are what are some of the groups that you go to that would be beneficial for them? Well, listen to that podcast. Listen to this JW Life. Listen, I mean it it it, it it's. It, it was awesome. I don't know how else to this say JW it. JW Life. That, yeah. and then listen to Sean. He, all he does, I probably will go on his podcast soon. I've been meaning to reach out to him, but he just interviews anyone who's disfellowshipped or shunned and listens to their story and everything that's happened since they've been shunned. Everybody is happier. Like, like once they finally come to terms with knowing that like they don't need to be back in that anymore and, and they're freed from that mental grasp, life is at your fingertips now like yes. you so many th- cool things happen from that point forward and um it, it's a good that's a great podcast too uh, that I'll definitely give him a shout out yeah. Shunned. <laughs> i'm gonna listen to that is are, now what if they needed more of a personal connection and they don't have because once they're excommunicated you don't have any friends and family are there groups of online like socially that they can talk to like excommunicated? there are i mean I, I can't even i mean there's a the first ones i ever joined on facebook were more about humor like like jokes and memes and stuff yeah. but there are recover. You just search on Facebook. They're recovery there. XJW for... Recovery is, okay. I think, one. I mean, they're there. They're they're they're, they're out there. there. You just have to not be afraid to tune in and listen to what they have to say. <laughs> there you go. And also, there's uh, there's narcotics anonymous groups in every single city. You could just go there and say you were addicted to this religion, which is the same difference. And now you're out, and you're having withdrawals in the form of your family cut you off. So can talk about it. I mean, yeah. I'm saying there are groups that, that of people, all kinds of things you can join. If you don't have friends or family, even um, going on like uh, cooking classes and just take little things where you can meet people. There's ways yeah. to meet people. If you if your only yeah. way of meeting people was through a religion, there's ways to um, go to an, like learn to play an instrument or go just go to an open mic and listen listen to people <sighs> playing. A lot of open mic people are nervous or even there. Compliment what they're playing. They'll they'll talk to you. Yeah, I mean, you can make friends is what I'm saying. Yeah. There's people out there that want to help you and want to. I'm learning that really quick. It's been awesome. I mean, it, music has been music was my thing in it. And actually, it was funny because I said my favorite band was Incubus growing up as a kid. Had to throw away those albums as soon as they found out that was the name of a demon. Oh, <laughs> uh, sexual, uh, yeah. one that like, raped you in your sleep or yeah. something. So, I mean, I still listen to it forever, but, <laughs> but like, it just, music has always been that thing that permeates everything in society. Like, it does. Like, you know, I, I remember as a child when I first got into music, I remember asking my, my Sunday school teacher, because we were all skateboard kids, you know, baggy clothes, and, and I was asking, and my teacher was just total square you know suit on and i was like hey what do you think about music he goes i think music is the greatest gift god has ever given us as a species well, whatever, or he didn't say species up. but he but he said greatest yeah. gift ever and then i go and i didn't realize then he doesn't know what i'm talking about i was like no like rock and roll man like like green day he's like that is the devil <laughs> and it's you know anybody that listens to that is going to be sent on the wrong path and immediately i was like yeah there you go so i'm not listening to anything else this guy says and then i remember when i was i, I want to say i was like 14 my 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 mom and dad finally realized that I was getting into rock. They went through my record collection and read all the lyrics and threw away every album that I had, except for a Hootie and the Blowfish I got to keep. Even Blues Traveler. My dad read the lyrics for the song, um, The Hook Brings You Back, or something it's called The Hook. And it's like, The Hook Brings You Back. He's like, these don't make sense. It's because he's on drugs. So he threw the seed away. He's like, he didn't realize it's about the hook of the song that brings you back to listening to the music and whatever. But I remember Jimi Hendrix came in the mail. And as soon as it came in, he's like, Jimi Hendrix died of a drug overdose. You're yeah. basically supporting drugs, and he threw it away. I'm like, I'm not supporting drugs. He's dead. He's not buying anymore. How does that even make any sense? 
But it's crazy, the religious side of, of, you know what my dad was really mad about? Is at some point, my mom and my aunt, this is the story I heard at least growing up, they got together and burned my dad's record collection while he was at work because the church decided it was like, we got to burn him. So he, he, never, mm-hmm. he always held that grudge. So I think he's like, if you don't get any records, if I don't get any records, neither do you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But um, I don't know. Religion's fun. No, no, it's it's actually I think spirituality is great. Spirituality is amazing, and you know what? Religion's good for people who want it, but but it's toxic when when you don't want it. It's also and toxic you, though if what you believe makes you believe that you can't talk to your own son or daughter. Yeah, that's not. And oh, and also one more question. Um, so you have not been. Have you you actually haven't been classified as an apostate, right? You just you technically might be, but you're not classified as. Um, an there's there's a few people that have heard my my mind and and probably would say that yeah. I well, mean, I was I, saying, because after this, you're officially apostate, right? Hell yeah. <laughs> hey, that's awesome. Not worried about it. <laughs> there's actually, um, there's a book called The Reluctant Apostate. I oh, haven't yeah. read it, but uh, that's also like the, I w- you're probably the grandfather of podcasts and YouTube channels is the, the guy who wrote that book. Yeah. but yeah. So, so that's basically about the, the guy who's not willing to speak out because he doesn't want to be an apostate or... The, you don't want the label, you know. It's like so that reminds I don't me. want to corrupt your mind. I mean, if you want to believe it, you believe it. Yeah, it, but if if you want to hear what I have to say, be ready to hear what I have to say too. You know, it's I'm not trying to rip you out of it. If you're totally content and happy and being in it, it, it could be a good support system for you. But my my whole thing is, I can see the people that it's killing them slowly, and that I feel for those people. Well, you when know? you have a religion so, that that has a high a su- high suicide rate of people that have been cut off. You have a problem. Yeah. If that religion works for you, that's that's all good and fun, but you're still a part of a problem. And if those beliefs themselves, like you want to believe for you, you should be able to believe that. And by all means, if it makes you happy. But you should not excommunicate other people. You should not put your beliefs on other people. We have the right to think about reality because we don't we don't know what the fuck this is. This is a very strange trip in yeah, itself. Yeah, we're still figuring it out. Yeah. Here we are, you know, 2021. Yeah, and yeah, last year was a very strange year. Anyway, I mean, mental, mental health is is going. You know, it's going. This, this has been a hard time for people with mental health problems yeah. in twenty twenty. With people have lost their jobs, people that were told yeah. to stay home and not talk to anybody for long periods yeah. of time. So it's it's a sad reality. But the idea that people are killing themselves because they've been excommunicated is like you, you gotta uh, you gotta fix that within your religion. I'm not saying get rid of your religion, but yeah. fix that side of it. Get yeah. rid of that. I think honestly, my ultimate goal would be just let them have their cake and eat it too you know like like this try to get them to just change that doctrine because it can happen they they, yeah. they come up with new light constantly and change different concepts about when the end's going to come um why not just stop the shunning like just just delete that one be like oh we had new light you know i don't know how to get there though i don't know if it takes it's a class hard. action lawsuit or if it it would take a story it, like like you look what happened at the yeah. catholic church with the raping of children yeah. They're changing shit now, and they have to because they're losing half their base or yeah. over half their base. Well, that's going on with witnesses too. Oh, actually, my buddy There's, said he had yeah. one of his best friends kill himself. Actually, no, no, I'm sorry, not kill himself. One of his best friends left the church, and I believe has a podcast. I should ask him who it is, but he he, I can't remember what it was, but he um, yeah, he was had that happen to him as a young child in the church, and he talks about yeah. it openly. And there's actually a lot. I mean, because they if that happens within, they don't. Like they, they always uh, talk you out of going to the authorities. So do they kick you out? No, no. So you so smoke a pack of cigarettes, you're out. Yeah, but abuse Rape a child, child. Yeah, you're you're just kind of hush hush, you know, because because that because that's what can make a headline, you know. 
Well, that's what the church so needs is those headlines. Yeah. It would take that yeah. kind of headline. If what happened to the Catholic Church yeah. happened, maybe they could start switching some things around and yeah. stop excommunicating. Maybe we could get positivity there. Yeah. Now you're really an apostate. Yeah. There's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like it comes from a place of love, though. It's not. It, it's, it's not because yes. I want to spread my thought contagion. I just want to help people be happier. Exactly. You know, I was miserable. I just wasn't alive. You know, and now I am. I mean, it's difficult. It's not like unicorns and rainbows but that's not what life is but it, it's just better i'm happier than i ever have been and i'm really looking forward to like what comes next yeah that's a great way to look at it i mean and it's, it, that's, the, that's what life is it's exciting you know now you you get a whole new no, whole new look at life as an adult you're experiencing things for the first time it's, that, that's great and drugs can do that for you there you go the peace <laughs> on drugs no, I, I think it's a powerful message you're talking about, and this this does go beyond drugs. This you know we you know this podcast is about drugs, it's about the war on drugs, and we've talked about that. But this is also religion is its own form of manipulation and control. Also, there's some beautiful things in religion. It's not all negative. I'm not saying that. Yeah. Um, and if it makes you happy, like my mom, they, you know she believes in it, and it and it gives her a purpose. Great. I don't want to take that from you. Exactly. Yeah. So. Um, I actually wish I could believe in it more because I'm 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 scared. Like, what is death? I don't know, but I do find psychedelics help with a lot of that. But um, I'm still like wondering if I if I believe solid, like if I could just dumb down my brain and be like, no, there's a castle and I have a house and it's gonna be there, and just believe that, even if it's not true, why not be a fun thing to just believe in? Then, but I, I don't even think a lot of them really believe in it. I've family that's very religious and they're also very afraid of death and eat healthy as they can and oh, I might get cancer. What what are you so afraid of? Aren't you? Going, also, like abortions are weird when it's like, so if the children that are aborted go straight to heaven, right? So you should abort every child because <laughs> they get to go straight to heaven. If you don't abort that child, you're doing a horrible thing. But that's not the truth. They, they, they're extremely against that. But, but it, so there's just some, some things that make me think deep down they, que- they have to question. And I think most, most people in faith at, at some points of their life, they question because none of us really know. God, if God was real and told us if he came down and said here's the deal guys here's what's going on then we'd know but that's not the case and it's all about this faith you have to have it's just faith anything you say that you contradicts now you just have to have faith yeah okay well i could say that about anything yeah there's a church of the flying spaghetti monster have you heard of this religion all right this is a cool religion it's called the church of the flying spaghetti monster i i don't know a lot about it but i do know that their their hat because you know religions have different hats their hat is a it's a spaghetti colander like okay. a spaghetti strainer they wear it on their heads and there was a woman that wanted to take her driver's license picture with her spaghetti strainer on her head, and they wouldn't let her. So she took it to the Supreme Court and won. And now members of this church can get their picture taken in Colorado, probably, I guess, all over the country because it was Supreme Court, with a colander on their head. And um, with the woman who, who the, the case was about, she said, this religion is not a joke. She takes it seriously. But I guarantee it started as, if you can believe in that, I can believe in whatever the fuck I want. I believe in a flying spaghetti monster. It had to start that way. No, it didn't. There's no way it started in yeah. some organic. We just really believe this. No, but now it's turned into people actually believing it. It's fucking bizarre. That's how human nature. That's how our brains are wired to believe bullshit. Scientology. Scientology. Great example. That's a weird religion. It's now great. that you're saying that, though, I kind of want to get my next picture of my license with a spaghetti calendar on. It's just <laughs> that would be fucking dope. It would. <laughs> that would be super dope. You just got to join that church. But how do you, do you have to prove it? Like, or is I have it... no idea. You just, or do you I just have a reference a case? You probably just reference a case. I'll just, yeah. And they probably would just be like, just take the picture. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to deal with this. Just click. 
<laughs> but but here's the if you get pulled over, you need a, a colander with you just to look like the picture, so you can put the colander on <laughs> your head. Here I am, officer. I'm oh, over. Man. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Every time you travel. <laughs> Every time you travel, I gotta bring the spaghetti strainer with me. I'll have that one that pops out, you know, the collapsible one. The collapsible spaghetti strainer. <laughs> a little traveling one. It's made out of cardboard. You can't actually use it or it would disintegrate. But it fits nice on your head. <laughs> I mean, you want to wrap this up? Sure. It was a yeah. great podcast. And you know what? I'll have you on here again. Um, I'd like to have you on here yeah. again in a little while. If you, if you do the other podcast and if there's any backlash from anybody yeah. and you want to talk about it, come back on. We'll talk about it. Also, uh, we'll do DMT sometime soon, if, tonight if you want, whenever you want to talk about that. But um, I have plenty of things to talk about next time. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, it was fun, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. This is right. awesome. Peace out. Peace out. Peace out.